Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back at the cartoons and the shows and the TV shows of our youth and movies and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be looking at a Christmas movie. A movie called Steven Spielberg Presents Wacko's Wish. Hey, what's up? What's all the noise? The Warner girl and the Warner boys. They're gathered around in the village square. They say there's something way out there. Something weird and something strange. In a tale that captures your imagination. What is that? Haven't you heard? There's no such thing. It's too absurd. Could well be, but we just don't know. We'll soon find out because we're going to go to, to the, the wishing star, to the wishing star. And something weird and so bizarre and felt away from way afar. They're on their way to the wishing star. I gotta get to the wishing star. Where do we really go so far? Out of my way, whoever you are. Steven Spielberg presents The Animaniacs in their first full-length feature. Wacko's Wish, coming fall 1999. Maybe we should have kept this our little secret. Well, you say Christmas movie. And I, you know what, I'm going to stick by that. It is a Christmas movie. So, you say Christmas movie, but this was not billed as a Christmas movie. And what's interesting about this is that it was first released in Mexico in July. Yeah, July is Mexican Christmas. And <laughs> they, have the, they have the Jesus candles. And, and, the, and then it was released in the U.S. in December of the same year, in 1999. But I don't know, is that really Christmas? And there's nothing Christmassy about it. It just so happens to sort of take place in the winter. Now, we talked about this before, and it's something I think we should bring up, is that, yes, this movie was released on December 21st of 1999, and it was a straight-to-DVD, or not DVD, sorry. It was a straight-to-home video VHS, VHS. Uh, movie. And when you bought the VHS, it also came with a ornament that had Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Of course, Animaniacs is based off the Animaniacs show of the early 90s to mid-90s. Actually, no, early to late 90s. That show went for five years, right? So, 93 to 98? So it was 99 episodes, five seasons, 1993 to 95 on Fox Kids, and 95 to 98 on the WB, when the WB kind of launched. Yeah, so this movie was... Well, actually, you know what? Before we get into that, what are we drinking today? Coronado Brewing. Coronado Brewing. We were trying to get in, to sort of follow the theme of a Christmassy show... Even though Chris doesn't think it's a Christmassy show, but I do. We tried to get sort of a wintry Christmassy beer. So we're doing Snowy Plover. It's a winter India Pale Ale. A winter IPA. And uh, it's Coronado Brewing, which is local, sort of. Yeah, uh, down in San Diego. So this... Ooh, it's actually pretty good. It's got a little bit of a spice to it. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So, so this... We kind of washed over it. This this is it's an eighty minute special that was direct to VHS that is based on Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers uh, Steven Spielberg kind of pet project that he did. Yeah, and it had several spinoffs like Pinky the Brain and stuff. The Animaniacs but, itself was a was based was really the result of the success of the Tiny Toons show. Yeah, it that, was. That's why Animaniacs came to be. Is that Tiny Toons was a Steven Spielberg produced show that was very very popular and a lot of the same people that worked on tiny tunes moved over and worked on animaniacs yes and the creator of animaniacs is tom ruger who also is the director for this yeah now tom ruger did a whole lot of wb shows bunch of stuff he's a four-time emmy award winner um and he joined warner brothers um animation and uh he's i mean he's now, do you have the do you have the list of his shows uh, I, I have a, a list because, of a few uh, of them. So hold on, hold on. I don't have the list. I'm not looking at it. Let me see if I can remember Tom Ruger shows off the top of my head. You got, you have Tiny Toons, you have Animaniacs, you have Hysteria, you have Freakazoid, you have Road Rovers, you have Pinky in the Brain, you have Pinky Elmira in the Brain, you have... Um, There's a big one you're missing, and it's not obvious, though. So. I don't... Wait. Batman the Animated Series. Oh, that's right! He did do yeah. that! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which uh, still to this day is one of my kids' favorites, uh, Batman the Animated Series. Although Rockadoodle is fighting for that place. Okay, so since we did the... <laughs> yeah, well, we, yeah, so she loves Rockadoodle, but but at any rate, we she loves the Batman Animated Series, and she also likes Freakazoid. She watches Freakazoid at home a lot. Now, who doesn't like Freakazoid? I don't know anybody that doesn't like that show. It... Honestly, it's one of those shows that did not last long enough. Yeah. It just didn't. I, I think it just didn't get the support that it needed. But th this this uh, this special 
that we're talking about today, Wacko's Wish, is it had a couple other people who were involved in the, the direction process. So Liz Holzman, and she did DuckTales, uh, Glow Friends, Pinky and the Brain, Darkwing Duck, Tiny Toons, Goof Troop, Bonkers. Uh, she did a bunch of stuff. Yay, well, cartoons. Rusty Mills, he's got five Emmys. He did Tiny Toons, Pinky and the Brain, uh, a bunch of other things. And, uh, you know, so you kind of put these guys together and, and you end up with really, I think, something that is kind of special. This is an interesting project. Yeah, you know, and, and had you seen this movie before? Okay, no. I, so when you text me that this is one of the things that you wanted to do, I had never seen this before. Yeah, so this is a movie that... This and is, I loved Animaniacs. This is way. a movie that I had. I, I remember having this on, on VHS. That's why I remembered the, uh, the Christmas ornament that it came with. I had this and I and I've seen it a, a bunch of times and I had seen it in the interim, you know, not recently, but fair enough fairly recently enough that I remembered it. And that's why to me this was always sort of a Christmas movie because the whole setting takes place in a snowy wintry time. It's about like it's about a wish. It's sort of almost like a Christmas carol type story in terms of the plot a little bit. There's there's an element of like someone who's sick and needs needs an like a operation. tiny Tim kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's a tiny Tim type character. There's sort of a not like, the musician, but the <laughs> yeah. There's, there's sort of a bastard type character like Ebenezer Scrooge, although although he doesn't get the sort of redemption. Another character gets the sort of change of heart redemption. Yeah, right, right. So it, it to me it makes sense that this is a Christmas movie. Even though it's not explicitly Christmas, it has no Christmas themes other than it's winter. It came out at Christmas. Well, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I guess you could, it's a winter festive holiday type yeah, type special. Uh, this was also produced by WB Family, WB Animation, and Amblin, uh, which was Amblin founded by Spielberg. What's, what's kind of cool is this was animated by Tokyo Movie Shinsha, which is a, it's a huge animation house. They've done a ton of work, and from 1979 to 1985 actually employed Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, so who did Studio Ghibli and Spirited Away and all these other projects. But he, he worked for them pre-Animaniacs and uh, Wacko's Wish. But it, it kind of, I think, speaks to the kind of stuff that they did. They, the, the pedigree of the animation studio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. The, the kind of people that they were, that they were working with. The music was uh, Richard Stone. That, wait, before you get into who does the music, the thing to, the thing to note about this is it is, in, it is in large part a musical. The, the, it is a musical. Are, I would consider this a musical first and foremost. Oh, yeah, because there, there are parts, there are a, a big stretch of time in this where they sing all the lyrics. Like, the songs right. move the story along. It's they, not just like an interim, like, this is how I'm feeling, right. and this is what's going on. They're singing about what they're doing, and I what would, they want to do, and what, what's going on and currently. And some of these songs actually are pretty long. They, they end up propelling quite a bit of the story through. So, I don't, just to really kind of touch really quickly, this, the plot, basically, I think, yeah. of this, just so people understand what we're talking about. This is basically a chase caper Type yeah. movie. So the, the the movie was originally going to be called "It's a Wacko 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 Wish" as a play on "It's a Mad 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 World" because that's essentially the the plot of "It's a Mad 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 World" is the same plot as this. Because so I was thinking Cannibal Run or something similar. Well, yeah, it, but, it's sort of similar, but but in in the "It's a Mad 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 World." They're all looking for a treasure that's off somewhere, and they're all taking like wacky ways to get there. Yeah. And, you know, some of them are flying, some of them are driving a car. And so that's essentially what happens is Wacko, Yakko, and Dot are orphans in the town of Acme Falls, which is in a nondescript middle, uh, medieval European country of, I think, Warnerstock. So I don't yeah. remember. They live in this sort of idyllic country that gets invaded once the king dies. And the king from the other country, which is like Tiktokistan or something, he comes in and starts taxing the hell out of them. So it's sort of like a Prince John Robin Hood type thing. Yeah, they actually, his name is King Salazar, the pushy corporate raider. That's actually what his title yeah. is. If that kind of tells you anything about what the character is supposed to be like. I read something today about that title, the pushy corporate raider, that one of the writers, and I don't know how true this is, one of the writers was not happy at the time with the... I think it was the, the AOL Time Warner merger. And that, was that in like the late 90s? That was, I want to say, in the mid-90s. And so oh, he wasn't okay. happy about it. 
still maybe he had some sour grapes and so he sort of worked that into the into the theme that he was the awful corporate raider that's coming in and just ruining everything destroying everything because that's how he felt yeah time warner well, was doing yeah so the i mean as essentially a brief overcap of, of the plot is king comes in he's bad the whole town is destitute and taxed to death. Yeah. And Wacko makes a wish on a star. The star drops to the ground. They race to the star so that people can make a wish. Yeah, because... That's the story. That's the first it. person that gets yeah. to the star gets to make the wish. Yes. So and they wi- stupidly tell everyone in town that that's what happened. So they, oh, all, God. Yeah, they all start going to the star. It's Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. But the music itself, because as you mentioned, it is a musical. The music is good. I felt it was pretty well written, uh, it was well put together, nothing really seemed out of place, nothing didn't fit for me, Yeah, anybody, nothing was thematically off, like in who some watched, of the other stuff that we've done. Anybody who's watched any of these shows, any of these Tom Ruger shows uh, from the WB in the, in the 90s, they've got to be familiar with the music, because you can hear one of these shows and know the music, be like, oh, that show must be related to this show, because you've got... Freakazoid's theme sounds like Road Rover's theme sounds kind of like uh, Animaniacs' theme sounds. Well, it's they're all similar music and they do music really well. They well, do songs. And it's stuff the really kind. Well. So the style, I would say, the styling is very old Hollywood. Yeah, and 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 that's intentional because this is remember this is also the time of like Darkwing Duck and you know Tiny Toons and some of these other shows where there was really kind of this pushback against the kind of to be fair crappy kind of junk that was being produced before it where the writers and the creators just said you know what screw it we're gonna make what we want and we're gonna make good quality stuff and so they kind of decided to i think nerd out for like a whole decade really like the whole 90 the whole 90s is a nerd out moment for for animators and and animation writers yeah you know you know i have to say and the and the people producing the music, yeah. like uh, so, the people who did the music is Richard Stone, uh, who did Animaniacs, Pink in the Brain, Freakazoid. Actually, Freakazoid was one of his last projects. Steven Bernstein, who's a, who's prominent in the New York City jazz scene. Gordon Goodwin, Julie Bernstein, Tim Kelly. So all these people have worked on these kind of projects uh, together. They they'd worked with each other before. Yeah, and talking about the songs, you should, we should probably mention the voice cast. The voice cast of Animaniacs is is essentially a who's who of 90s voice actors. You literally took the words out of my mouth. That was exactly yeah. what I was going to say. You have, you have yeah. Rob Paulson, who plays... Everybody plays multiple characters. Nobody plays just one character. Maurice LaMarche and yeah. Tress McNeil. Yeah, there's a bunch of these people yeah. that just get reused. Yeah, and, and that's... You know what? That's that's the nature of the industry. If, if you start... If you stop and listen to anything that's animated, whatever year, like between the 90s... And the 2000s, and now in the 20... What are these? What are these considered? The 20-teens? Whatever they are. The voices are all the same because once your voice gets... Once you get to a certain age, like, say, once you hit 25, your voice is pretty much going to stay the same until you're probably 50 or 60. Or in the case of, like... Dick Van Dyke, it sounds the same forever. Well, no, I was going to say in the case of... um, In the case of Frank Welker, he sounded exactly the same like Fred Jones from... From Scooby Doo, he sounded like that for the last what is it, forty years, fifty 50, years, something like that, since nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, well, of course, as you'd imagine, Frank Welker's in this too. Yeah, Frank uh, Welker's in this. So, so let's kind of do let's do a rundown here. So, so Jess Harnell is Wacko, who I think something kind of interesting is uh, he's Ironhide for the Transformer films, and he's in Secret Life of Pets, which is I think his most it's his latest project, but he's the voice of Crash Bandicoot. If you, ever played, if you ever played Crash uh, back on the original PlayStation, he's the voice of Crash Bandicoot. And if you got young kids at home, uh, Chili from Doc McStuffins is the voice of Wacko. So you got Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson, who's literally in everything and still is. Yeah, so Yakko and Pinky, of course. Uh, Pinky in the Brain and Yakko from the, from the Warners. He's uh, Dr. Otto Scratch and Sniff from this, but he's voice of PJ Pete from Goof Troop and Goof Movie. And... He's uh, Raphael from the Ninja 1987 Tur- Ninja Turtles. You got Tress McNeil, who's Dot, and Hello Nurse and Mindy's mom. But she's also done a bunch of other stuff. So she's mom from Futurama, Babs Bunny from Tiny Toons. She's a ton of characters from The Simpsons. Uh, Skinner's mom, Agnes. Yeah. That, that one's, my I think, one of my favorites. You uh, disappoint me. But she is Daisy Duck from 1999 until now. So if you have kids at home and you watch, like, uh... Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and that kind of stuff. That's Daisy Duck's voice. 
Uh, it's also a Grandma Gertie from Hey Arnold. I, I love Grandma Gertie, by the way. Huh. Um, I, I watched Hey Arnold, but not with any regularity. Uh, I, I, you know what? It's we maybe it's a show we can go back and watch. It's actually really good. Yeah, I've I've seen some like depressing stuff online about that show. How actually depressing it was because it was essentially about inner city kids growing up in the projects. Oh yeah, and, and Arnold's parents are gone, and he lives with his grandparents. His, gra- yeah. his grandfather with his with a dick on his face. Oh, yes, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Uh, so Mar- Maurice Lamarche that, that I mentioned earlier is the brain. Everybody knows that, but. What's interesting is he is Wacko's burp. Really? Yeah. So he is the voice of Wacko's burp. It's a, a little like weird piece of trivia. Oh, first of all, one of his other characters that he does that I love is Kiff from Futurama. Yeah. Um, but apparently, while working on the critic, he once voiced 29 characters in a 30-minute episode. I could see that. That's really impressive. Yeah. Like, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, he's also King Arendelle in the Frozen movie, and he's Serpentor and Destro from G.I. Joe. Yeah. And he did a bunch of stuff in uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. He was in Zootopia. But I think his most favorite and uh, famous voice that he does is Orson Welles. Yeah, he, he's, he is the preeminent Orson Welles impersonator. Rosebud. Yes, Rosebud frozen peas. Full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. I quit. Just a handful for the road. Oh, what luck. There's a French fry stuck in my beard. He is... Oh. Yes. Essentially, Brain, Brain's voice is an Orson Welles voice. Yes. No, you're right. And the other voice that he does, if you guys have seen Team America, he's the voice of Alec Baldwin in Team America. My fellow actors, we live in a dark time. The world is becoming more and more violent, and the idiots in charge are making it worse. What the world needs is an international advisory committee who truly understands global politics, namely us. <laughs> That's, it's so awesome. Uh, so you got Slappy Squirrel, who's the old grandma squirrel. That's a kind of a cool character. She's, she's based on this idea of like an old washed up celebrity. Still, and, I, read, I read about this, that she, her character was based on the idea that Sherry Stoner, who's the voice of her, had, like, I guess she played a lot of young teenage characters. Yeah, it's and a it was trope a, on the idea of women's beauty uh, fading and apparently not getting work anymore. Yeah, and so that's what Slappy Squirrel is. She's a retired old lady who is just nasty well, and mean. And, she's she's a writer-producer and won an Emmy for Tiny Toons herself, and she created Slappy Squirrel. Yeah, no, so, she created it based off of that. that yes, I yeah. guess she had, a, Sherry Stoner had played characters, like younger characters, Yeah, and it yeah. was a running joke that she kept getting older, but her characters still stayed the same age. Yes, yes. So, you know, she was like 40 playing 20-year-olds, Yeah, and 50 playing 20-year-olds, and it's like, well, at, at what point is it not going to work anymore? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the whole idea behind that character and and then there's also skippy squirrel which is the the nephew for slappy squirrel and it's voiced by the director and creator's son nathan ruger who is the inspiration for yakko yeah. uh, and you can you the, can tell that the he... warners are the insp- are inspiration of of his kids but but yakko is inspired by the kid who plays the voice of, of skippy yeah and you can tell that he is the least talented voice actor when you listen to him but uh, whatever he's like he's like what seven nine yeah something like that. that he's an adult now i think he's a director uh he, of course he is of course he is when um, you when your father when your father created the most well, i was gonna say when your father created the most popular shows of a generation i think you can be whatever you want in hollywood yeah probably it's it's like uh it's like if Martin Scorsese's son wanted to direct, everyone would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. What do you, what do you want to do? Do you? So you, you've got Mindy, who's Mindy. voiced by Nancy Cartwright. Oh, Nancy Cartwright. Also yeah. been in every, been in like basically every cartoon from 1985 onward. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, she's, she's also Nelson and Ralph Wiggum and Todd Flanders. And uh, Bart. And, and she's, well, you know, there's that other character she's known for. I can't remember his name, right? Yeah. Uh, Bart Simpson? That other yeah. that other character, whatever, Puddle Puss from... from what? I don't <laughs> know what the character's name is from My Little Pony. I was just oh, making up a horse. yeah, yeah. I can't... Yes, I know. I remember who you're Stinky talking about. Stinky Foot or... Whatever the baby one is, Bushy right? Tail. Is it the no, baby? No, she was, she was one of the flying ponies. Oh, uh, was it a... Yeah, one of the flutter ponies. Yeah. Yeah. I so keep wanting to say flutter she did, She's the voice of Chucky from Rugrats. Yeah, Chucky, no, I Chucky can. I, from I can hear that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Frank Welker's in this. He's the voice of the Baron and one of the hippos and 
Ralph. But and he's un, and also the uh, plots, Baron yeah. von Plotz. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. The the Baron. Oh, and, um, and Ralph. Sorry, that's my bad. So we always kind of talk about some weird role that that he's done. He's Nibbler from Futurama. He is Nibbler. You know yeah. who else he is? He's a Boo from Aladdin. Yes, he is. He is a Boo. He's also the Magic Carpet. And and the the voice of the tremor that was a joke from a oh. <laughs> magic carpet didn't have any lines. But I totally missed it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I, will, I will like massage your ego later. It's uh, uh, not all you're gonna massage. Oh, too much. Uh, <laughs> so did when you were a kid? What like when I was a kid watching anime Animaniacs? I love Pesto, the the purple uh, headed Bird. flying rat, the, the the pigeon pigeon. God, I can't think yeah, of the word. It was it was yeah. it was Bobby. Pesto and oh god, what was the other one? I can't remember. Was that Pesto? Was the Pesto Squid? Squid. Okay. Yeah. So Squid, Squid is Maurice LaMarche. Yes, but I was gonna say the 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 that's the Good Feathers. That's a parody of Goodfellas. So Bobby is obviously Robert De Niro. Yeah. And then Pesto, Pesto is Joe Pesci. Is Joe Pesci. Yeah. And then Squid is um is what's his face? Uh, yeah. Who's the main character in Goodfellas? Right. Um, Ray. Leota? Ray Leota. Yeah. There we go. Well, Pesto was my favorite when I was a kid. Is it just just because he smiled all the time like an idiot? Hey, guys. No, no, because he was always... He was always... uh, Oh, that's Squid. Squid smiled like an idiot. Yeah. He was always angry and trying to hit him. Yeah. That's it! And then he would get in a fight. Yeah, I don't know why I thought that was funny as a kid, but... that, that That whole bit is based off of... The whole bit is based off of the scene in Goodfellas when... When Joe Pesci's character, when he says, Oh, man, you're so funny, and he does the whole, like... What do you mean funny? How am I funny? How am I? Do I amuse you? How am I funny? Funny like a clown? Is my face funny to Is you? It, do you think that I'm funny? Is this a joke? And then, and then he he's went, like, "No, man, you're just you're funny. You're you're you make me laugh." And he goes, "Oh, okay, I'm funny. All right, I'm funny." And then he like takes a pen and stabs the guy in the throat. Yeah, well, this, he's like, "How's that for fucking funny? Well, this How's is, that for fucking funny?" This is a reference to that. Yeah, the whole the whole yeah, like, the whole bit. Is a, that's I will say they didn't do their bit in this, and that was kind of a letdown for me. Yeah. But but whatever. I, I Pesto was my favorite, but it's voiced by uh, uh Chuck Venera, who's a, a broad who's in a, the Broadway production of Grease. It's actually a pretty good Joe Pesci impersonation. It is. It, it's a really good Joe and, Pesci. And the one that plays Bobby is a pretty good Robert De Niro. He's all, he's always like, "Hey, what are you doing? Stop it." So that's actually how uh, that's what got him the role. Is his impression of De Niro in a performance of The Groundlings in LA. <laughs> so what, what are you laughing at? Yeah, I mean that's that's like what got what got him his thing. Yeah. So now Rita, Rita the cat is Bernadette Peters, who you whose voice you cannot miss. Monterey, Monterey, it's the California living with the sun and the surf, and we'll never have to give in to another human master again. It's gonna re-roll for dinner and then we'll sleep on the beach where the sand is heaped up in pots. So she's got two Tonys uh, plus an honorary one. And she's she's kind of a big deal. She she was in the Jerk, and um, she was Sophia and Anastasia. But a little kind of interesting piece about her is her salary began to get too high, and they couldn't afford her anymore. So they killed off Rita. Well, no, down the garbage. Disposal. They just slowly stopped <laughs> writing her into scenes. So the later episodes of Animaniacs didn't have any Rita. Or if there were any episodes with her in it, they were very short because they just couldn't afford you know, to I didn't, pay her. Well, to be fair, I guess, the ones with Rita and Runt were always like Broadway productions. They were always singing episodes. Yes. Because that was the whole point of Rita and Runt is that Rita would sing and they, they're like out in an alley cat and a stray dog who are friends. Right. And Rita would sing about wanting a home and wanting to be with a family and whatever, the laments of an alley cat. And the whole thing would be a whole production. So I could understand why she would need more money. Because while, while the other characters sang, it wasn't with as much regularity as she sang. Which well, was I like think, every episode I think she, she was could, in. She, she could demand more money because she's a, essentially a three-time Tony Award winner. Wow. So, you know. Well, what, what's the exchange rate there? Like five Tonys equal like an Emmy or... Like two th- Emmys equal an Oscar. Well, I think. But no, t- two Emmys equal like a Golden Globe, and well, then like ten Golden Globes equal an Oscar. I think the hierarchy goes: Tony, Oscar. Uh, no, Oscar's the top man. No, well, Tony is are generally kind of a big deal. So, um, your Anthony Award, whatever. 
your live ra- theater, your Razzie, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Minerva Mink is Julie Brown. Um, Downtown Julie Brown. She was well. It, it's different. I think a different Julie Brown, but she was uh, the the bimbo from Goofy movie. Oh, that's right. The one who's known for having the the, the bimbo voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so King Salazar is this famous British stage actor named Paxton Whitehead. And there's two characters here. One is Baloney, the the dinosaur, and the captain of the guard. He is... Uh, I, I love Baloney from, from these Animaniac episodes. But he was in Johnny Bravo. He was Petrie from Land Before Time. He's Brooklyn in Gargoyles and the Huntsman in Freakazoid. And then the last character to, to name off is the Desire Fulfillment Facilitator, yeah. otherwise known as Pip. And that's voiced by Ben Stein. Otherwise known as the Fairy Godfather. That's essentially, he was like a wish granter. And he's yeah, like, he's like a, yeah. He's, he's, like, he's, like essentially a, he's essentially the Fairy Godmother. But it it's, reminded me of the, of, the, of the Fairy from Pinocchio. Yeah. But so Ben Stein has an undergrad from Columbia and then he went to Yale Law. He was a speechwriter for Nixon and Ford. He was a trial lawyer for the FTC. He was a game show host for Comedy well, Central. He was, uh, but he taught libel and securities law at Pepperdine from 1990 to 97. Oh, and he got first, his First Amendment. First Amendment teaching law, whatever. Yeah, he's like a legit dude. And then he, he um, was on Ferris Bueller. Now, what's funny is in Ferris Bueller, the, the scene that, that he does where he's like giving like Bueller, a lecture in class. Bueller. No, no well, that... That part was written, but the the part where he's giving a like a lecture to the class, mm-hmm. that's improvised, and he did that completely on based on the knowledge that he has on economics. Oh, good for um, him! Yeah. Now he's he's also kind of a controversial political figure. We won't get get into that, but but yeah, no, he's a really interesting guy. If you want to go look him up, there's other stuff out there you can look up on him. Oh, the, you know what? There's other people who are in this. So, Mr. Director is Paul Rugg. He's got three Emmys, and he does he's done a ton of voice actor work. By the way, Mr. Director, so. Something we should say about the characters in Animaniacs and in this movie is that the characters are essentially all parodies of something. So Mr. Director is a parody of Jerry Lewis because he does the whole lady, hello, doing the thing with the whole. Yeah. And then you have Baloney, which is a, which is a parody a Barney of Barney, clone. Barney the Purple Dinosaur. But they're all, they're all like, like, like we were saying. Good feathers, pesto, squint, and Bobby—they're all parodies of of good fellas. And you've got even the even the original Warners, War, Dot, Yakko, and Wacko, are parodies of early thirties, early twenties and thirties cartoon characters like Betty Boop and Felix right. the Cat. And that's sort of it's like the like the entire thing. The entire show is essentially a genre parody. It kind of is, yeah. A genre parody of a of a wide range of things. Huge. Well, there's oh, uh, there's the narrator who I, I I think is interesting. He's the voice of Motel Six. Yeah, Tom Bodette. The, the leave the leave the light on or whatever. Yeah. yeah, And you know what's funny is I remember him from this show, and he's also the he he has the good idea bad idea yeah, guy. He I remember him from Animaniacs way more than I remembered him from Motel Six. Like now as an adult, I know him from Motel Six, the Motel Six like radio commercials. But as a kid, I knew him from Animaniacs because he just he just sort of has that voice where he doesn't really get a whole lot of inflection and he just sort of talks like this. But, I mean, he does a good job for what he's for. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he's, yeah, it's but... a perfect voice. So this was – this actually served as the series finale for Animaniacs. So – after this, no more Animaniacs. There's no more. Yeah. There, and, and, I and it like, sort of worked out because there was 99 episodes of Animaniacs. And this, if you count it as the final episode, is, is number 100. Yeah. Well, and I think if if there's any animated show that's going to kind of cap end the 90s, it's this. Because we had kind of a really cool run of things like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and this show, Freakazoid, and all these really well-written shows that then kind of just stopped. The the way that shows are written for kids stopped after the 90s. They 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 kind of went a different route. They either went the almost Tim and Eric route where they just decided to get irreverent and weird yeah. and, and just be truly written for adults and if kids liked them, then great. Or they were written cutesy and, and for like, to be honest, dumb kids that they couldn't pick up the more adult jokes. They... I, what I found is, is because we've been covering some shows now for a while. We we did like Turtles and Jim and Darkwing Duck and and a bunch of these other shows, and now all of a sudden we're with Animaniacs, 
1999. And you could see a progression along the the way that these shows are written. It's almost like they decided to stop hand-holding for the 90s. Well, see, they, the, they decided to stop holding kids' hands. See, the... the, the and, then the and then they said, oh, wait, it's too much. This is too much. And then they just decided to, like, coddle kids again. Yeah. I don't know if it's... If it's uh, the parenting style that became more prevalent with helicopter parenting and hovering, or I I don't know what it is, but but I mean, I definitely notice a difference in like the kind of stuff that's available for my kid. What's on TV now, which is fine. It's it's not bad, and 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 I I think we should cover some of that this year, uh, this next year. We should definitely cover some of that so that you can see kind of what it's like. It's it's a really weird contrast to go from the 1980s and then to the 90s, and I think the Animaniacs personifies kids 90s cartoon shows and it's it's really funny to because okay so this show this show was number two in demographic number two in the two to six demographic and the two to eleven demographic in 1993 so kids age two to six loved this show that shows the range that it had because it had one of the, okay so moving from the show to the movie one of the big one of the big criticisms of the movie not that there was a ton of criticism, but one of the big criticisms of the movie that people had was that it changed the tone of the show. So the movie was not necessarily more serious, but it dealt with different issues than the show did. The show, the show was the more, show was a variety show. The show was a variety show, almost like a sketch comedy show. There was a bunch of different different, which is what made it work because yeah. it was quick, it was fast. Yeah. you could some watch twenty was, minutes and be done. Some some of the some of the segments could have been less than a minute. Like the good idea, bad idea was like thirty seconds, and then you had some times where an episode or, or would linger for fifteen minutes on like, a subject. Yeah, sometimes a segment would last the entire length of the episode. Right, uh, Freakazoid did that too. Uh, uh, Freakazoid was interesting because it would go, it would have like a plot for the episode, but it would just be filled with like weird random stuff weird non sequiturs it'd be like the Huntsman all of a sudden inserted out of nowhere. I think the very first episode of Freakazoid. It it has this like underlying theme that they touch on at the beginning and then at the end with this guy who shows up creepy with a trench coat, looks like he's wearing no clothes, and he's got a power that can turn beavers into gold. And it they talk about it for like five seconds and then Freakazoid makes fun of him and tells him to go away. Yeah. And that's it. And and their Animaniacs would do that they would have episodes like that, but then they would also do episodes where it's like twenty seconds here, four minutes here, eight minutes here, and things were kind of all over the place. Yeah. And um so and that, I like that. Yeah, no, so that that's that's why the show worked for for kids that were in that like two to six age range. You had a show that was able to just be wacky and weird and and do whatever. And then you also had a show that was able to talk to older kids and was able to like not just talk to older kids like your 11-year-olds. It was also able to talk to adults where there was adult humor sort of sprinkled in that that a kid would not get. I mean, a kid would not get a 2-year-old to an 11-year-old would not get a reference to Goodfellas. No, and this movie has or the a Godfather. Bu- this movie has a bunch of that. So it starts right away with a reference to Citizen Kane. Yeah, you know what? I laughed a lot at that. <laughs> I thought that was genius. They they have a. Th- it's so- literally the beginning of Citizen Kane where they they're burning a bunch of his shit and they burn the the sled. Yeah, that's it. and it, it, I mean it, it's a little more blatant. It yeah. says Rosebud on it. Well, I mean they throw the sled it on- said Rosebud. Yeah, the Rosebud says it on. So it Citizen says it- Kane. Right, but I mean, like, they make it so that it's, like, huge and in bright letters, and they throw it on the fire, and they turn to the audience, and they, uh, Yakko breaks the fourth wall, and he goes, what? We're cold. Yeah, he's like, what do you expect? We're freezing. Yeah, it, it, it's weird, because they have these things, oh, and they have this, like, weird irreverence for mimes throughout Animaniacs. Oh, yeah. And it carries Yakko, over into this, too. Yeah, Yakko hates mimes. He hates mimes, and they actually touch on that. They're like, no place is perfect. Yeah, because Acme falls before, before King Salazar takes over acne falls is perfect except they have a mime and he's like yeah no town is perfect right yeah and and so this this show's got a bunch of like stuff like that that i think is really smart yeah and god i love the pinky and the brain stuff every moment with pinky and the brain in this it's just like the show that uh, for me the pinky and the brain moments are the best they're the best moments of this whole thing yeah it one thing to mention is that every 
every major character in Animaniacs, and there are a lot, every major character gets some screen time. And, and it's almost, brilliant. Yeah, and almost every character gets speaking lines. The only ones that really don't are the Hip Hippopotamuses and Minerva Mink doesn't really get a speaking line. No. And, but that, that's about it. You got the Good Feathers, you got Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, you got Dr. Scratch and Sniff and Hello Nurse, Rita and Runt, you've got, um, the, you've got Plots and Ralph. Uh, You've got uh, Buttons and Mindy and her mom. Well, and I think what's kind of cool is not just do they each get their own, uh, not just do they get their own speaking line, but they each get a moment to shine. Yeah. Each one of them has some sort of a line that drew a genuine chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. In in my opinion, I I love this. Yeah, I, I really enjoy. I had never seen it before. I, I, I actually watched it a couple of times and I had no problem with it. This, yeah, was, will, this was really a lot of fun for me. I will say it, it's, a, it's a really entertaining movie. And one thing that I noticed, and this is something you usually talk about, it was animated insanely well. It, okay, so we've seen some stuff that has been maybe animated a little better. But for what it was, it was. I thought like there were parts in it where I just saw... Because maybe I was thinking of the quality of just Animaniacs. And it is a huge step up from the quality of the Animaniacs show. I think part of that was the way that they chose to animate it. I it didn't... Th- wasn't this like a... It was, the o- it was the only... It was animated with digital ink and paint or something. Yeah. It was like a, some sort of like digital uh, cell shading process, right? Yeah. Something like that. And you can tell just by some of the things. Because, you know, this does take place in winter and there's like snow moving. And there's you know, a couple times where there's a big avalanche and just... The big action sequences, I feel like they're 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 animated really well, and the motion flows really well. It just looks good. It looks pretty to me. It looks pretty and smooth, and it's, it's it was visually never boring either. Yeah. So I, that really helped. There's a lot of songs in here, and, and there's weird, there's funny or weird lines in every song. And in the very first song, the the Warners make a reference to the poverty line. Yeah. That I thought was really smart. We're so far below the poverty line. Yeah, and, the, and it's like this chart on the wall with a like a with a graph. Yeah, and there's this the line, line zigzagging for the poverty line, and then it drops down uh, Dro- onto the floor, and then runs along into a hole in the floor. Yeah, uh, that's supposed to represent their their spot on the poverty line. Yeah, God, I thought that was really smart. They have these visual uh, references. Actually, th- in that same song. That was the um, never gonna give up hope. Yeah, the never gonna give up hope song. That, that was where the where the squirrels were. Wasn't that where they made the uh, the yeah. reference with my nuts are frozen? Yeah, Be careful but, that next verse. The line is all the shops are closing. Things couldn't get much worse. And then Skippy holds up acorns encased in ice, like in a block of ice. He says, "Even my nuts are frozen." And then Slappy says, "Be careful with that last verse." That I mean, kids will laugh at that because it's funny for them. But for an adult, I I like that kind of slapstick humor. And that's, was, that's the type of stuff that was in Animaniacs anyway. Yeah, they you made, and I were watching yeah. uh, some stuff of that before we recorded. Actually, yeah. so th- there's a bunch of that. So Dot is sick and she needs an operation. Yeah, that's the basic plot. That's the basic like MacGuffin of this movie is that Dot needs a Dot needs a surgery. She she's doing the like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and they're and they're hoping for a year. And then Wacko leaves. Yeah, Wacko leaves. And then they wait for Wacko for a year. Yeah, Wacko leaves to seek his fortune. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, spoiler right off the bat. When you find out what Dot's surgery is, it's really funny. But watching it a second time makes the entire thing way funnier. (laughs) Because she's basically playing everybody. So, Dot is needing a, a quote operation. She yeah. needs an operation. And, and she hams it the fuck up too. She she's like she's like, oh uh, I just I really like you know, she just does a lot of that like she's coughing. acting like she's gonna die. Yeah. And what it is she's is tiny she, timming it up. Yeah, she is. And she needs plastic surgery so that she can have a beauty mark. You don't find that out until literally the very end of the movie. It's the very, very so, end of the movie. Spoiler alert. But I, you know what, though? Knowing that going in and watching it, it makes the whole thing way funnier. It also kind of makes it sadder, too. Yeah. Because because basically she's playing her, her siblings. They could use that wish to do something good with it. But instead, Wacko gets to the star and he gets the wish. And he wishes for money. And he uses that money to help his sister. But he didn't need to because it was just for plastic surgery. Yeah. 
in the movie, Wacko goes off to seek his fortune, and he comes back, and he has a hay penny, a half penny, which is not worth a whole lot of money, even back in whatever medieval Europe. A hay penny is a half. It's yeah. A, it's a half penny, which is worth one, like, 480th, one 480th of a pound sterling. So it's not worth a whole hell of a lot. So that's a, that's a year's wage for him, and he comes back, and the tax collector, Baron, Baron von Plotz, once he gets back and he's like, oh, I have a hay penny. It's the most money that anyone they in the town has They immediately tax seen. him for the entire they, Yeah, they tax him for the... So he loses all of his money. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Dot. And then that's why he makes the wish. And he gets to the wishing star through the whole, like, wa- wild and wacky adventure to the wishing star. He gets to the wishing star. And, of course, everyone else has wishes, too. Everyone else in the town has wishes. You know, the... Somebody else could have had a wish. Dr. Scratch and Sniff wants his elixirs because he's essentially a snake oil salesman in this. He wants his elixirs to work. Brain wants to take over the world. Brain wants to take over the world. And Pinky wants to bang a horse, which is weird. (laughs) Okay, so Pinky's in love with Farfignugan, which is the name of the horse. And that actually is a running thing throughout Animaniacs. And also Pinky and the Brain. But Farfignugan and Pinky are in love in this... And Farfignugan kisses Pinky by licking him. Yes. And and Pinky says, kissing you is like taking a smelly bath. And I laughed really hard at that moment. <laughs> uh, so so watch, I, I watched this, I think the second or third time that I watched it, Joy was sitting there with me watching it. And she had some genuine like moments where she laughed. So I, I figured it, it had to have been interesting because yeah. she's not into kids stuff like I am. <laughs> And she was laughing at that. I th- I thought yeah. it was really kind of a funny moment. It's just weird that it's just weird that he is in love with a horse that essentially looks like a horse version of him. But when he says that, Brain gets really grossed out he's too. Because <laughs> it's like it's like what is he? It's, he's like he, I think he's partially disgusted that that his friend wants to bang a horse. Yeah, as well as the idea that. That the kiss is like taking a smelly bath and that Pinky likes it. Yeah. Kissing you is like taking a smelly bath. <laughs> I think around that time is is when uh, they're, they're like all going to sleep and uh, Dot has that like, tell me a story, Yakko. Oh yeah, there's, this, there's a whole like sappy it's... bullshit. Tell me this story. And he's like, okay. There once was a man from Nantucket. And then she's like, no, 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 not that story. I thought, like, that, I thought that was smart. I no, thought it was I, really smart. I fucking laughed. I laughed too. But but it's this dumb, sappy story. I'm not going to tell because yeah. it's stupid. But It's all about how they're actually royalty. Yeah, basically they're, they're royalty that got kicked out and put into the orphanage. Yeah. Uh, King Salazar put them there to get rid of them. So they're low, really... The, low security orphanarium. Yeah. So at that point, like, they're all going to... Do you remember? Like, they're all going to sleep. And uh, Yakko turns to Wacko and he goes, you're turning in? And Wacko says, into what? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, but the like, it's about, fast. It's no, the, real fast. The thing, about, the thing about Yakko is Yakko is very clearly a Groucho Marx. Like, that's who he is. He's like, he's like hey, what's going on here? There's, well, it's funny you say that because back in Animaniacs, I remember there's a, a couple of episodes or a couple of points where he does a Groucho Marx and he's got the cigar. And he does the full thing with the... With, yeah. the, with the glasses and like the fake mustache, he yeah. does a full Groucho Marx in yeah. the show. And then, then Wacko is sort of like a weird Beatles type thing. He, he's he's sort of like a. I, I imagine him as I don't know if you've ever seen the old Beatles movies like Hard Day's Night or he's like a goofy John Lennon. Yeah, of. that's what I mean. Like in those movies, it's like they're goofy movies. Like the the old Beatles movies are, are yeah they're weird. Yeah, they're weird. But that's sort of he's like, what's going on here? Like like yeah, and he's kind. Of, it's almost like he doesn't care. He's kind of irreverent. Yeah. Um. He he acts like he's maybe a little slow, but I don't think he is. I I always think Wacko's like one step ahead of the game. He just doesn't. You, it's like I think it's just the way they write him, you yeah. know. But there's there's uh you know when they when they go to sleep and there's this uh, desire fulfillment facilitator the the fairy. I thought that was kind of weird. It's like he sings a song about a wishing star, and then some middle aged dude from middle management comes down dressed yeah. in a toga with a face shape kind of like a like a dick, like a lima bean almost. Oh yeah, or a lima bean. Like, um, congratulations, Wacko. You were able to pick out the actual wishing star. I've been waiting millennia for someone to do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like so, you had to pick out the single star the in the one sky. star. But what was funny is like I think uh, when was it? It's like when he after that he left or at some point in the morning or something. Wacko like comes in. He's like, "You'll never guess what happened." And Yakko goes, "Try us. We're gullible." <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's lines like that all throughout this, and yeah. they don't miss a beat. And like I don't even remember all of them. I didn't even write half of them down because there's so many of them. 
But they just, they happen one right after the other. Uh, I love all the brain and pinky stuff. You're biased. I, I am biased. I love Pinky and the Brain. But but there's there's one of them here where, where Brain's like, uh, are you pondering what I'm pondering? And Pinky goes, sure, Brain, but how will we ever get the weasel to hold still? <laughs> I, I don't know if I've asked you this before, but there was an episode of Pinky and the Brain that was told from Pinky's perspective. And... It's just like it's told from his like his visual perspective and his like mental and perspective. In his brain, he sounds really smart. Well, no, 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 no. Right? It's not. No, it's not that. It's it's that like when. Oh, I was thinking of one where he had an experiment that made him smarter. No, That's no. A different so, episode. so this is one where he's just. It's just the whole episode is from his perspective, and I remember this where, like, that was a running gag in Pinky and the Brain where. When Brain would say, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Which always means take over the world. Yeah, and Pinky and would always Pinky say some would, weird yeah, shit. Yeah, Pinky would say like. I think so, but then he would say something completely off off the wall. Yeah. So, in the episode where it takes place from Pinky's perspective, Pinky actually like hallucinates something. So as he's doing, he's just like la 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 la, and then he hallucinates like an elephant putting on a bathing suit. And then when Brain asks him that, he goes, "I think so, but no, no, no. How are we going to get the elephant to put on the bathing suit?" <laughs> and it like has to do with whatever he was hallucinating. So so basically, I, he's just mentally ill. Yeah, or no, he, he's in some like way. he's crazy. He's on bath salts. I don't know. Maybe that's what they injected him with. There was this weird exchange that I thought was golden too. Like it was around the same time. It was uh, so they're all like off to chase the star, and Brain decides he's going to chase after the star too, and he's going to make this uh, like Archimedes screw. Uh, it was Leonardo heli- da Vinci, but it's like airplane. a Leonardo yeah. da Vinci helicopter type device. And he was saying, like, Leonardo's going to help me or whatever. And Pinky was like, uh, but how's he going to do that? He's dead. and Or, uh, no, he's like, uh, how's he going to do that? Where is he? And Brain's like, he's dead. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, when's the funeral? Yeah, and I didn't this know. Whole exchange. And it's really kind of funny. Yeah. Saying but he's dead. He's been dead for so long. Oh, and I didn't send any flowers. But there's this exchange at that point that's, like, really, really... It, it made me laugh really hard. It, it's kind of a dad joke moment. But um, Pinky's like, but Brain... If we were meant to fly, we'd have been born with little bags of nuts. <laughs> and then Brain goes, "You are a bag of nuts, Pinky." It's a air. It's like an airplane, like peanuts joke. There's a couple times. So too, smart. No, there's a, there's a couple. There's a couple. It's lot. like around the 28 minute mark. Somewhere around the 28 minute mark is really funny. <laughs> there's a there's a couple times where in that in that sequence where Brain is like, there's one time where he goes, "I'm gonna hurt you now," and he like whacks him with the pencil and. then... <laughs> Pinky gets smashed, and he's like, <laughs> I always love Pinky's laugh, too. It's great. <laughs> he's yeah. the, Nof. Nof, Chas. Yeah, he always makes, I don't know why, but I loved that show when I, I was feel, a kid. I feel like, I feel like Pinky just has Tourette's. He might. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, <laughs> I think that it's just that the two of them have such a good rapport together as voice actors that, that it doesn't. It wouldn't even matter what they were saying. I would probably laugh. Have you ever heard the theory that Pinky is actually the genius and Brain is the one that's insane? No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, that Pinky plays dumb to dis to like disassemble Brain's world conquest plans, but he's actually the smart one that's trying to keep Brain from doing something stupid. Oh, so really, Pinky is is the world's hero. Yeah, Pinky is the genius. That's thwarting brain, who's the insane one that wants the world domination. I have never heard of that. Really? Before. No, I've never heard of that. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. That's really a smart way to go. Yeah. I, wow, that would be a really that would have been a really funny thing for them to write in, just like a like a one off. Yeah. Like when well, they that, got to like Pinky O'Meara in the brain or something. Now when you now when you watch the show again, you'll be like, huh? Yeah. I, so after we watched this, I went and watched a couple episodes of Pinky and the Brain is so funny. Yeah. I love Pinky and the Brain. There was this exchange um, where, because like they're all chasing after the... Um, the wishing star. The wishing star. And the Baron and, and Ralph the Constable end up back with the king. And the king was asking him like, well, what would you wish for? And the Baron goes, a weekend in Branson, Missouri. And the Constable's like, oh, I like Branson. Andy Williams has a place there. <laughs> I was like, this is an Andy Williams joke? Like, I, I will say in that no, same... <laughs> when I was that age, I would have had no friggin' idea who Andy Williams this was. This show is half for kids and half for adults. And I think it's probably about 50-50. Yeah. It has to be. There's also... I wanted to point out that there's a sequence in that same scene where the king is meeting with the Baron and, uh, and the Constable 
where he explicitly tells him to kill the Warner Brothers. And the, oh yeah, he, kill, he, he says. He says, I want you to stop them. And he's like, okay, I will try and stop them. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I want you to make sure they don't get there. And he's like, I will impede their progress. Like, no, 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 you're not getting me. I want you to make sure that they are not alive. It's like, <laughs> what? And that's sort of, when, it, when in, the, in the beginning when I said that there was a character that had like a redemptive quality. It, it's actually the Baron because he's an asshole at the beginning and he's stealing all their money and taxes and he's trying to keep them from getting to the Witching Star. But he actually turns out to be a halfway decent guy because when presented with an order to kill children, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, yeah, he totally backs away from it. Yeah. There was there was this... Um... I just thought it was weird that he actually said to kill them. There's, there's a thing in like cartoons... In the 80s and 90s where they didn't say the word kill. They never really said it. They always said like destroy, annihilate, evaporate. Yeah, we talked about that. I think for Darkwing Duck or something, Yeah, they never said kill really. And in this one, at some point, like he sort of dances around it and he's like, I don't want them to exist anymore. And he sort of does that that cartoony thing where he... And then he like kind of breaks the wall. He's like, no, I want you to kill. Yeah, no, he's like... I want you to murder them, kill and, them. And they're like, wait, wait, what? This yeah, shit, that's this what shit just like. got real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, there's, I think it was around that time, maybe it was later, but uh, the Warners end up back with the king. Oh, no, 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 I remember. So they all end up out at the, at the Wishing Star, and the king ends up there with his with his minions or whatever. His army. His army. And the king builds a full-on, like, Japanese internment camp. Yeah, he, slash, he, like, built, he builds, like, a concentration camp. He does, and he puts the whole town in a concentration camp. Yeah. And he's going to murder the, the Warners, and they're like, oh, well, I guess you never find out the secret. It's like, well, what secret? And they're like, let's work out a deal. He takes them back, and basically they just trick him into feeding them because yeah. they're hungry. But there's... They sell him a load of bullshit about the wishing star. Yeah, but but they they do this thing, and the the Warners have done this before, like in the in the Animaniacs, where they're like, "Oh, are you our dad?" And he's like, "Can I call you daddy?" And, and he's like, "I'm not your dad." And, and then Yakko, it's always Yakko. He's like, "That's not what your mom said." No, that's not what mom said. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was I I laughed <laughs> like genuinely pretty hard at that. Yeah. But they trick him into feeding him, and and the the king gets pissed off, so he decides he's gonna punish them by. By putting them into what is it the, uh, it's like the cave of their worst nightmares. Yeah, and it's 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 got like a Jerry Lewis clone. That's the Mister Director. The yeah, royal lady. The second one got a genuine oh, like shudder from joy. <laughs> it was it was the dirty gas station bathroom. Yeah, like, they they <laughs> have to drive through this dirty gas station bathroom, and there's this hillbilly sitting outside. It's like I haven't cleaned that thing in three years. Yeah, and they go into like a dark room, and there's like hit the lights, and they turn on the lights, and like a million cockroaches scatter, they scatter, and, and they like, but the last one is is the Barney clone, Baloney. Yeah, the or, the orange Barney clone. I love that character on Animaniacs. There's an episode where he's featured. He's really I, I, I find him to be really funny. They always like physically abuse him pretty hard. Too, yeah, which and they I, do in this one. They like bash him with something, don't they? Yeah, like the sight gags with him are always really spot on. Yeah, but but the king is the king is kind of a jackass. No, but, he's he's built to be a jackass. Yeah. He's he's the he's the antagonist of the entire thing. But but so when they get out of this this essentially the cave of worst nightmares or whatever, he's wanting to make his wish. And they're telling him, oh, well, the secret is you got to be careful what you wish for. Yeah, it's a literal genie. Like, yeah, it takes tell- everything you say literally. That's what they're telling him it is. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not. But but that's yeah. what they're telling him it he's is. Like, he's like, I wanna miss, I will, I'll wish for a million bucks and then like a million deer run him over. Oh, okay. So so when that happens, uh, Yakko, after they all run him over, Yakko turns to him and goes, just be glad it's not mating season. And this bug pops up and kind of like gives goes, him the eye. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> yeah, gives him like the sexy eye. Yeah. Or he's like, uh, he asks for fame and fortune and he hands him a fame magazine and fortune magazine. Yeah. Uh, or he asks for youth and beauty and it's a little kid on top top of a uh, black beauty horse yeah it's really funny the psych like, are really I'll, yeah, on point. i'll just i'll just wish for eternal youth he's like you really want to be 16 forever is that what you want he's like oh god no <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh god i would i wouldn't think about like what age you'd want to relive basically anything from about puberty until about high school you just i would say just skip it i want to be 28 if i could stay 28 forever eh, yeah i guess yeah I'd say somewhere in the in the mid late twenties is that's, probably not a bad place. Before to be. my body started breaking down, yeah, you know when you get old, yeah, yeah. 
Your yeah. Knee, your knees start hurting walking upstairs and shit. You get the old man back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do that sound when you get up off of chairs or when you sit down, the... <sighs> no, no, no. Uh. It, it's the... When you sit down, you're like... <sighs> oh. And then when you get up, you're like... What? Oh, yes. <laughs> that's the one I was thinking about. That's a, that's an early morning wake-up, like when my kid's kicking me in the stomach or on my back. <laughs> yeah. When the alarm goes off and you're just like... Oh, God. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if, like, old men... Like, old men that hate life... When they wake up in the morning, if it's just a, like they open their eyes, like they flood, you know, their eyelids flutter and they open up, they look at the ceiling and they just go, God damn it. Here we are. <laughs> Why didn't you take me, Lord? Maybe. What, don't I, what didn't I do? God, you know, that that's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how I'm going to be. Just gonna wake up, look at the ceiling, look to the left of me, look to the right of me, and go. I'm still here. What? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, uh, I'm gonna be like Sam Beckett and freaking uh, in oh, Quantum God. Leap. Be like, what do I need to do, Ziggy? Let me leap out of this life. And then, and then you just kind of like look over at your spouse in the bed, and it's like, whoa, boy. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna go. Ziggy says there's an eighty percent probability that you need to go into work today. Fuck. <laughs> It's like, well, time to make the donuts. Yeah. Well, Welcome to Walmart. Well, my inner, Welcome to Walmart. My interchanging dad. Welcome to Walmart. This. Go fuck yourself. I was, uh, see, I was thinking uh, idiocracy. Oh. Uh, <laughs> welcome, to Wal- welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> oh, God. We're living in the world of Brondo. Uh, uh, so but, anyway, yeah. the movie ends with Wacko gets, Wacko gets to the wishing star and he gets his wish, and the, the wish fulfillment facilitator says, Good job, Wacko. That was a really good wish. And so what does he wish for? Not one, but two hay pennies. Which apparently is just the perfect wish. Yeah. Because he uses it for his thing. He, he, and spend, then... he spends one to get Dot's operation, which then you find out it's to implant a beauty mole on her yeah. face. And she goes, Cindy Crawford, eat your eat your heart out. So, one one thing about that. So, there's this guard. The the guard that we talked about, he's mentioned in the voice actor notes. Um, like, the only the captain of the guard. Yeah. Uh, he's like, the cuteness, man. The cuteness. He's he, like Hudson from Aliens. He's like, oh, the cuteness. Oh, game over, man. It's too much. I can't take but it. But he's, he's, like, obsessed with her. And she's like, well, I guess my perfection will do. It's kind of... Oh, man. It's kind of it's kind of creepy. Never wanted to fuck a dog before, but now I do. <laughs> because he's like a human and they're... Not only that, but she's like a little girl, and he's like a fifty-year-old dude with a gray beard. It's like, oh, it's how creepy. Many? <laughs> it's really weird. I like that. How one many moment. fetishes can I fulfill? Animals oh. and children. God oh. damn it! God, it's so gross. Like, <laughs> just that's, gonna end it. That's like the one moment that kind of made me kind of creeped out. It's too much, man. The cuteness and the and the. Oh, now, I now you sound a, like Bill Cosby. So I was gonna do a doggy style joke, but no, please don't. Yeah, but but well, so Dot they, doesn't wear a shirt. Oh Jesus! Well, Yakko doesn't either. Yakko doesn't, but he's a boy. But Wacko doesn't wear pants. That's true. It's like a, it's like Legend of Zelda. Nobody wears pants, right? No, Ducktales. No, nobody wears pants in Legend of Zelda either. Well, they, they at least wear tights. Well, the guys do. Some of them do. Maybe that's why Link is always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or when he, yeah, or when he does the when he does the blade spin, the yeah, or whatever. Oh it yeah, is. yeah, Smash Bros, man, Smash yeah. Bros. Anyway, but, so, so okay, this ends and so he gets the he gets the wish where he gets one. It ends with wheel morality, which I kind of liked that it brought it back for us for wheel of morality. Yeah, and for the first time ever. Well, before we so his one penny was to pay for the operation. The other penny just sort of circulated around town. He bought groceries and bought a bunch of other stuff, and it circulated around town. And it literally got everyone else their wish. The money, money bought happiness. It literally got everyone else their wish. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, none of that's important yeah. because because on, at this point, you don't really care. Yeah, I mean, you don't. It, you, you care more about the interactions of the characters. Yeah, and so, and there's this like there's this one where. Uh, where Skippy Squirrel discovers girls, yeah. and um, he used to be into nuts. Now he wants dates. Yeah, I, I, lo- I thought that was really funny. It made me think of Sword in the Stone, where Merlin explains to Wart King Arthur that squirrels mate for life. And oh he, yeah, and like the super saddest squirrel who he sees him turn back into a human, and the squirrel's like, "Oh, I'm going to be alone forever now." I loved you, and you left me. 
Yeah, you I, son of a bitch. Oh man, I love that movie. Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorites. But at any rate, so it ends with wheel morality, and I, go ahead because this no, is the first time, right? This is the first time that the wheel morality actually gives a moral. Yeah, it's always junk, it's, and it's funny junk. It's but, always yeah, it's always something like they spin it, and it's like like do not pre- do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars, and then like. Okay, and then they run. Yeah, and then that's the end of the episode. Yeah, but, but this, this one actually, first, yeah, this we one get a actually, real moral. Yeah, and and um, and and then the moral ends with the song. Yeah, the, but, the the moral is always cheer up and never ever give up hope. Yeah, which was the callback to the to the first, to the first song. song. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even need to ask you. I know you like this because I did. Too. I liked it so much. Like, I you know what? I was having a bad day today. I was really having not a great day. And I didn't watch this today, but talking about it has put me in such a better mood because it was such an entertaining. It was it was entertaining. It was funny. It was visually engaging. Even as an adult, I can imagine what like a kid would would would. It could have been animated like shit, and it would have mattered because the the dialogue, like the give and take between the characters, is so good. God damn it, the writing is so good. But for that's this. what that's what I'm saying is that it works. It works for adults. It works for like adolescents, and I think it works for kids too. And that was one of the that was one of the main criticisms of the show is that is that people or the main criticism of the movie is that is that children who liked the show might not like the movie because the tone changed and the the show that's that, bogus. Yeah, well that that was their criticism. That was well, their criticism. Stupid. And so the the show was sort of wacky, nonsensical, slapstick weirdness and that engaged children, which is probably why it did so well in the like 2 to 6 and the 2 to 11 age range. So the tone of this movie changed it a little bit. There was still sort of wackiness and slapstick and whatever. But it was more of a story, and there was more like soul behind it, and it was it was more sort of geared toward maybe an older audience. But I still think the kids would have enjoyed it because there was still that there was still a lot of of action set pieces, and there was a lot of entertainment. There was a lot of shiny, flashy things that were going on that would have engaged someone in that two to six or two to eleven bracket. I, I think it satisfied enough. That it it didn't matter. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, it, you know, the kids who probably grew up watching Animaniacs were probably the kids who were on the later age range, and they would have been happy with this. Yeah, and if so, and if, if you're a, a kid on because my kid's on the younger age range, she's three, so she's on the younger age range of this, and she enjoyed it. I know she did because she asked me to watch it again. Yeah, as soon as we finished. If you were yeah, like you were saying, if you were six years old when this show started in nineteen ninety three, this was nineteen ninety nine when the movie came out. So you would have been you would have been what, twelve? So you I think you would have enjoyed it more because not only did it have the nostalgic value, it also yeah. was just more entertaining. Absolutely. You know, it and something that is kind of Something to talk about, something to touch on, because we're going to be doing some other shows coming up, like uh, Gem and some other stuff later, I think. But but this is um, this is, I think, the first time on this show that we're that we're not the first time. It's one of because we talked about this with Darkwing Duck a little bit. The the shows for girls generally are are either intentionally meant for girls and they're junk up until like the mid late nineties. Or they were non-genderized. Now, this is a non-genderized show, which is fine. Uh, What I like about this show, at least as a dad with a little girl, that she can identify with a female character, and and it's funny, and she's not shoehorned into something. And all all the psych gags, the hello nurse jokes with Yakko and Wacko, they do the same thing with Dot. And male nurses, too. Oh, yeah. No, Dot... Dot... (laughs) Dot objectifies men as much as Yakko and Wacko objectify women. Right, and so it, they're like equal opportun- equal opportunist objectifiers. Yeah, one of the good, um, one of the but, good things- but the jokes are funny, and, and it doesn't matter the gender, and it doesn't matter any of that stuff. So like your kid can watch it, and you don't have to worry about like, oh great, it's another show where the female character is just like made to be pretty and useless. You know what's or funny? Or it's is it- like My Little Pony, and it's just a bunch of crap. You know what's funny is is the. Um- the nurse, Hello Nurse. That's actually her name is Hello Nurse. The, oh, bo- the, are, bo- the bodacious. I, I know what you're going to mention. The, her wish in this movie is to be taken seriously for her brains and her academics instead of her body, and she gets her wish. She becomes the head of Doctor Scratch and She's Sniffs, the CEO of his of, soda company. Of his soda company. Now, earlier in the episode, or earlier in this movie, though, they mention that her IQ, she mentions that her IQ is 152. That's super genius. Yeah, no, that's like crazy super genius. 
But it's like she's it's 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 almost like they make a reference to the fact that like I'm a woman and I'm objectified for my physicality. Yeah, no, but she, I'm smart. Yeah, and she's like, then that that's her whole wish. She's like, I wish people would take me seriously, and she gets her wish. Right, and I God, man, I I like that a lot. I, I really do. Uh, it hit all the right notes. It does. This hits all the right notes. Like, My kid liked nobody, it. Nobody can watch this movie I like and be it. like, I am upset or offended about this part of this show. No, no. It, it's it's just so well done. They they did everything right. They really did. Yeah. And so, and, and you know what, though? I, I, I watched it. So I watched it once with my kid. Uh, she loved it. She wanted to watch it again, but I had to put her to bed. And I watched it two more times since then. And she's asked me to watch it since then. Yeah. More than once. So I mean, it's a it's a definite. If you've got kids at home, definitely watch with them, uh, and you'll enjoy it for you. It's because it's Christmas time, right? It's a holiday season, whatever. E- even though it's not a Christmas movie, and I stand by that. But yeah, well, well there's there's snow. It's all right. You can be wrong. That's true. I can be wrong. Tis yeah. the season to, to be... watch cartoons. La, I was going to say la, to la, be la. wrong, but you know, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode. Yeah, but highly we, recommend this. Hi- highly, highly recommend this for now, both. Adults going back to rewatch it and relive their youth, and for showing your kids, there's nothing bad about this to show to young children. No, it's no. hilarious. It's engaging. It actually has a halfway decent message that like community and engaging people in your own society like leads to happiness. Like like money isn't really the happiness. It's it's spreading around joy and stuff. They, yeah, no, this is this is great. Yeah. I, I would recommend it. Our next uh, holiday themed show special that we're going to cover for the month of december is teenage mutant ninja turtles we wish you a turtle christmas and other bodacious classic christmas songs from 1994 now don't get too excited i think it's terrible uh i i watched it once back when it came out so and i i'm sure it's gonna meet every expectation i have for splinter it. taught them to be christmas teens no Oh yeah, it's gonna go that direction, I think. So we're we're gonna go. We're gonna do the sandwich. Good, bad, good. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, shit sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll for the holidays. Got to got to make it happen. So yeah, that'll do it for us. So if you want to talk about this episode or any other episode, you can always hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. If you want to hit us up on Facebook, we also have a Facebook page. Just search for Childhood Remastered. We're there. Yeah, you can't you can't miss us. We're we're there. Um, if you want to send us an old fashioned, old timey email, you can always do that. It's Childhood Remastered, all one word at gmail.com. That's right. And don't forget our music. Yeah, our music. If you liked our intro music, you can check the uh, the creator of that music, who very generously let us use that song as our theme song. Uh, his name is John Howarth. It's J-O-H-N-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. You can check his SoundCloud out. The song that we use is called Nascent. It's a really great song. A lot of his other songs on there, or really all of his songs on there, are, are amazing if you want to check them out. Yeah, they're great. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane. And uh, if you get the chance, go out and watch Wacko's Wish. But until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. Be alive.